0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Food Navigator Asian's monthly podcast, the FNA Food and Beverage Trailblazers. This is a series where we speak to and get to know more about groundbreaking food and beverage firms in the Asia-Pacific region, as well as the people behind them and their stories. I am Pearlie, the editor of Food Navigator Asia, and as always, I am your host for this series. Joining me today is Nalin Suit, CEO of India-based tea firm Teamunk. Tea Monk specializes in offering a huge variety of different teas, many with herbal infusions for health benefits, and is present in many markets worldwide today. So, hello, Nalin, welcome first of all, and thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Hello, Pearly, uh, and thanks for giving this opportunity. It's a pleasure to connect with you, and uh, really look forward to uh, you know sharing our experience and our future plans with you.
0: Wonderful, really great to have you here today, and I think I just like to start by talking a little bit more about Tea Monk itself. So. I mean, the obvious question here would be, you know, why all this focus on just tea? You know, all types of tea, I remember, you know, from black to white to green to oolong. So why all the focus on tea? What is so important about tea to you guys?
1: You know, globally, tea is a very, very big market. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, today it's in India, it's about $2 billion. Globally, it's about $6 billion. And so it's a a large space. Uh, That large space, uh, you know, overseas is already into specialty teas. Most of it is specialty teas. In India, the specialty teas is only about 15% by value, but it's mm. growing at 30%. And the course, is that, you know, there is a huge uh, uh, trend now towards health and wellness, and mm. it's got uh, during the COVID period. And teas, especially if you have it the right way without boiling, without milk and sugar, it's actually. Uh, very good for your health. And without sugar, uh, you're actually consuming a lot of health without any calories.
0: I also recall that the last time we spoke, you told me something really interesting about Tea Monk's tea procurement process and how you guys don't use the traditional tea auction to source your tea leaves. Um, could you tell me more about this, you know, and why the company has chosen this route for tea procurement?
1: So, you know, uh, the genesis of Tea Monk uh, lies in You know, creating a global brand or leveraging Indian tea heritage and Indian uh, knowledge of Ayurveda and plant botanics. Mm -hmm. So our focus is on building a global brand based out of India. Now, when consumers are interacting with a brand, you know, they want consistent quality. They want uh, consistent prices and they want uh, consistent experience in whatever variety of tea that they're having. What happens in a conventional uh, tea procurement or with most of the people who are, uh, you know, selling tea, they buy teas during auction. And that auction only happens two, three times a year, you know, when you, once you get a first flush, then the second flush and the third flush. So you have to stock up your teas uh, uh, from different plantations at different points in time. And ultimately you end up blending those teas over uh, over a period of time. So therefore you're basically looking at teas which come from different plantations, teas which are coming at different times of the year and you blend it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, for anyone to ensure consistent quality uh, to a tea consumer during the year is always a challenging uh, process. So that's one. And we wanted as a brand to make sure that, you know, every time a consumer takes a sip of tea monk, whichever variety they use, they get consistent quality, Uh, which, you know, is difficult to manage in a conventional tea option process. You know, the conventional tea auction process, the lead time for uh, taking a tea from the garden to making it available to the consumer is long. You know, it can take up to almost 40 weeks from the time it's plucked to the time it gets uh, to the consumer's uh, cup. Because, you know, there's there's plucking, there's auction, there's blending that goes to the factory, then it goes to the whole uh, retail network and uh, process uh... and uh, we didn't want to do that we wanted to make sure that you know the consumers get the cup of tea as fresh as possible from the garden and that's only possible if you have uh... if you're not dependent on the auction process if you're not blending uh, dependent on the blending process therefore what we do is that uh, we have strategic tie-ups with the uh, select plantations in the high elevation mountain regions mm. uh, so that's one of the uniqueness of our teas that we only source teas from high mountain uh, regions because they come with a you know, very specific aroma and taste uh, and even, you know, the health uh, benefits that come with the tea. So, which means that we are not buying teas in auction, we are ensured a consistent supply of tea through the year and it's consistent quality because it's coming from select specific uh, tea gardens and uh, because we don't need to therefore stock up teas or blend them during the year, we are able to get it to the consumer. in as uh, faster time as you know three to four weeks from the time it's plucked
0: along those lines actually I also recall that you know you have over 70 varieties of tea in your portfolio which is a really impressive number so at the same time you know how do you manage to maintain so many different SKUs of tea
1: we essentially procure the teas as and when they're required uh, now in most of the teas you know especially if you look at the green teas where we have for plus varieties the base green tea remains the same and in addition to the green tea we will you know we embellish it with other uh, products whether it's ayurvedic products or uh, flowers or fruit based etc so a base of green tea is always there and depending on the demand you know we just create a uh, a certain volume depending on you know which variant of green tea is required by the consumer and uh, therefore we don't need to stock up a huge amount of inventory of finished uh, goods uh, the second part is that because uh, we are only right now in the e-commerce space, and we are uh, essentially supplying only as per demand, and which means that you know we are able to customize uh, the variants that we need to sell in very quick time without having to maintain a huge amount of inventory at our end or even at the retail end, uh, because it's an e-commerce model. Uh, Unlike retail where you need to first, you know, send the product to the distributor, to the warehouses, then it lies on the shelf and on the shelf if there's limited space, you can't have too many variants and that's where inventory management becomes a huge issue. In the e-commerce uh, space, uh, inventory is not an issue because we only produce as much as is required when we only stock up as much as is required and we, we are able to replenish uh, demand from uh, the marketplaces or our yeah. partners uh, in a week's time.
0: Are there any other sort of consumer trends in the tea industry that you're seeing in India and globally as well? Are you seeing any major differences between, between different markets?
1: You know, green tea is something which consumers are already aware of, and majority of the specialty uh, teas today are green teas. Mm. But, you know, there are other two varieties of tea which a lot of consumers are not aware about, which is the white teas and the oolong teas. Mm-hmm. Now, the white teas are essentially uh, you know the most pristine uh, form of tea so you know they are basically extracted from the the initial bud whereas which is called at uh, the silver tip mm. and the green tea you know uh, from the green bud now white teas are uh, they have the least amount of uh, uh, processing in fact there is zero processing and they have the highest amount of uh, antioxidants because it's the most pristine the oolong tea is between green tea and uh, black tea so which means that it is semi processed it still has the, uh, you know, antioxidant properties of green tea, but it has the uh, taste profile of black teas. And therefore, for a lot of consumers, this is a great uh, uh, compromise between the health benefits of green tea and the taste of uh, black tea. So both these categories are gaining in popularity both in India and overseas. Of course, you know, the size of these two segments is still small, but in terms of growth rate, they are the fastest growing uh, Categories.
0: Now I'd like to find out a little bit more about your own entrepreneurship path, Nalin. So yeah, I understand that you know you have been with uh, multinational consumer goods firms like uh, Kip and Kaiser, SC Johnson, and you were also with PepsiCo for a few years. So you know I'd like to ask, what drove you to move into this entrepreneurship journey with T I
1: always wanted to do something on my own, and that thought had been there in my mind for a long period of time. Now it finally. Uh, fructified when i was in sc johnson which was my last uh, corporate role after working with sc johnson for two and a half years then i uh, quit the corporate sector and prior to joining t monk i ventured into the uh, agro space and which is really the farming space mm. while i was doing this i got introduced to uh, t monk and uh, what really excited me was that this was uh, essentially a continuation of what i had already started in the agro space because again tea is not manufactured in the uh, you know in the factory it comes from bushes and because we are into specialty teas, uh, you know, we are, we are not adding anything artificial to it. Therefore, uh, you know, a complete, uh, uh, let's say continue to what I had started. And the other factor, you know, which drove me towards T-Monk was uh, while, you know, pure agro products, it's difficult to package and sell them and to create mm-hmm. a global brand. I mean. Uh, it's very difficult to create a global brand based on on just trying to sell strawberries. But with tea, there is an opportunity. So we thought that, you know, it's a great opportunity to uh, focus on natural agro-based products, mm-hmm. something which can be branded, something which can be taken global, and something which can be built into a large global brand, leveraging Indian tea heritage and uh, the science of plant botanics and Ayurveda.
0: I was to ask you what has struck you as the main difference between um, the food and beverage industry and the others, other the other industries that you've been in, like uh, household consumer products, what would you say? What is the main difference here?
1: So there is a huge uh, uh, difference between, you know, the, uh, uh, the way the two markets uh, operate. Household personal uh, care products, you know, they have a longer shelf life. Mm. You can experiment with, you can carry a lot of inventory in the system, but you can't do with that with the food and uh, uh, beverage products, shorter shelf lives. Uh, you know, the the speed of uh, action has to be very, very uh, swift and you can't maintain uh, a huge amount of inventory. Uh, a lot of household products, you can live without their alternative remedies. A lot of food and beverage products, you can, you know, uh, let's just substitute them with other less processed foods. So, in that extent, they are same, but in terms of, you know, operating dynamics, they are uh, different.
0: Mm, understand, understand. Very interesting. What about if I ask you about the main difference being in a big Food, MNC like PepsiCo versus hitting a startup that like you are like you are doing now.
1: See, I think the main main difference is the uncertainty. Mm. Uh, if I get so look at it from a personal perspective, now with a large uh, company like PepsiCo, you know you have chartered your uh, roadmap for the next couple of years. You are not looking at investors for funding because you know those vendors are uh, the funds and investments are g- generated uh, uh, internally. Whereas you know in a in a startup, you know you uh, you are looking at investors to continue feeding you for a couple of years okay. till the time you get scared, start, uh, you know, break even. And, uh, you know, uh, you always have a certain amount of runway with the cash you have in hand. And if you're not able to get an investor during that period, then it becomes a little difficult. So it's always, you know, tight uh, rope walk between aggressive growth and uh, trying to maintain your uh, uh, cash cash flow. Mm. So that's, you know, one big difference, which is uncertainty. Uh, and availability of investment uh, for uh, s- scaling up your uh, current la- launching new products. On the flip side, uh, you know, the big difference is that any decision-making in a large corporate, you know, can take not a couple of days, couple of months, it can even take a couple of years, and there would be many levels. Here in an MNC, you know, it might go all the way from one country to the region to uh, the glo- global category to finally somebody who's uh, looking at R&D and investments in supply chain. Uh, So, you know, the lead times can be very, very long and even at the end of it, you don't have any certainty whether something will uh, really kick off or will, uh, you know, be buried uh, under the carpet Mm. or uh, one for the future. Whereas in a startup, you know, uh, unless and until you have a huge uh, investor involvement, majority of the decision making is with the founders. It's done in a very quick period of time and turnaround time for uh, from concept to execution is very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And therefore you get satisfaction in terms of, you know, being able to not only conceive, but being able to also execute a plans in a short period of time. Third thing of course, is the safety net with large corporations on a personal basis, you have a lot of safety net. A lot of people will know you uh, because of the large company that you're working with. Because, you know, for example, everybody recognizes PepsiCo. So if you say you're from PepsiCo, mm. um, it's easy to get your way through. Uh, But, you know, when you're working for a startup, till the time it reaches a certain scale uh, becomes large, you know, nobody knows you. So you always have to be, uh, you know, pushing and promoting yourself and finding your way through.
0: Yeah, yeah, understand, definitely. So I guess along those lines, I'm interested to also find out, you know, what are some of the personal and professional challenges that you have seen along the way, especially moving from somewhere, you know, with a big safety net, as you mentioned, over to hitting a startup?
1: So you uh, know this is in line with what i mentioned earlier so the biggest challenge of course is uncertainty mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, because you know you are not only uh, stopping your cash flow which comes by the way of uh, you know uh, uh, compensation and depending on you know what level you were at when you last left um, in a startup you are uh, not only uh, denied that cash uh, the the monthly cash but you're also you know putting some of your savings and you never know, you know, whether, uh, how long it will take mm-hmm. for the business to, even, whether your investment, your own personal investment is going to be paid back or not. And whether, you know, at some point in time, you might run out of uh, steam and therefore, you know, no cash flow, no investors coming in. So, huge amount of opportunity, uh, reduced, massively reduced the uh, cash flow for, you know, whether it's personal expenses, etc. And thirdly, as I said, uh, you know, you are not easily recognized because you don't get to carry the tag of a large uh, established known MNC with you.
0: What are some of the motivations that they have kept you going along the way?
1: In my case, I I have a penchant for risk-taking. I, I am comfortable with uncertainty. I mean, of course, it comes with a lot of stress at times, but I am mm-hmm. able to manage and thrive in the uncertainty. And uh, thirdly, most important for me is that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you really want to... Uh, you know, get the satisfaction of uh, seeing the execution, which is purely driven by your own concept and thought, rather than you know uh, the the concept being fine tuned by a large number of people, and therefore, finally, what you see in the ground is not how it was originally conceived.
0: Is there anything you wish you had known when you started out in the beginning? Anything you might have changed if you had known these things? Do you think?
1: Uh, there's not much I would have changed, except uh, I think I possibly might might have had a, a built a larger cushion in terms of uh, safety net for self and family. Mm. I think that's all that I would have done. And uh, of course, you know, I could have started on this journey a little earlier than what I did now because, you know, uh, the later you get, later is the opportunity cost of leaving a large organization. Mm. But, you know, in there uh, somewhere during your early years, you know, the opportunity cost is less. Mm-hmm. And later the opportunity cost increases. So I think. If anybody were to ask me that, if uh, if you have the DNA to uh, be part of a startup or, or uh, get into an entrepreneurial journey, make sure that you know your uh, uh, safety cushion is good enough, and that you have the courage and the patience to go through that uncertainty and uh, you know a change in your lifestyle.
0: So is that your advice for um all of the those out there who are perhaps you know trying to move out of MNCs, the, the MNC life, and move into entrepreneurship like you have?
1: Absolutely. So you know, uh, one also needs to be willing to uh, let go of the tag of a large uh, MNC to being a person who nobody knows. Mm.
0: Understand. Understand. Absolutely. So. I guess also another question i think just one more which is um where do you see yourself and tea monk in the next 12 months and perhaps five years down the line
1: so today you know we are building the brand based on tea mm-hmm. and uh, building the brand equity in terms of health and wellness and subsequently we are looking at expanding into adjacent uh, food and beverage category which are in the same space for example honey and again we will always maintain this uh, usp that we have that which is all about purity and natural ingredients and and great taste and uh, select sourcing
0: all right thank you so much for joining me today now it was really wonderful to catch up with you
1: thank you pearly uh thanks for your time and this opportunity and it's been a pleasure talking to you
0: the pleasure is all mine thank you so much and thank you also everyone for listening to this podcast as well and i wish everyone a great day ahead for food navigator asia this is pearly signing out